you the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? If you're drowning and I throw you a life jacket, would you grab it? Yes. Good. Pick up 200 shares. I won't let you down. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Ask them how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they going to say? No? I don't want to see those returns. Where's the money, Lebowski? You're going to make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive. Learn how to push. Show them a 3% return. I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend. I'm a big fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know this. That's it. I'm done. Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tim Howell. Eliani on the board after a long weekend. SP Futures down 12. NASA Futures down up 10. So mixed mixed and kind of slow morning so far. We can sort of expect after the three-day weekend. We have Mr. Brendan. I'm here this morning, Chief. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Did you have a batching it for a while? You did what? I'm batching it for a while. Val's not here. She's uh, in. Uh, Val's on. Val is on vacation with some of her girlfriends that she used to work with a number of years ago. They're over in South Africa on safari. Um. So she's going out to see like lions and stuff without her man. Yep. Yep. She's in a. She's in a jeep. Uh, Probably some kind of a Toyota. When I went on safari, it was a big Toyota Land Cruiser. And uh, so she's turning around parts of South Africa right now. Today she's going to Cape Town where she and her girlfriends can visit a winery and then more safaris the next week. She'll be gone for a total of three weeks. Um, Gotcha, you sure got away from you far enough. (laughs) Yeah, it's a pretty far trip. So next year, like New Zealand or what? Um, I'm not sure what we're going to go next year. No, I mean Actually, her. She and I are also going to go to back to Africa, well, back to Africa for her later on in the summer in September. Both of these trips were planned before. This trip uh, that Val's on now was originally scheduled for 2020. Ah. And, of course, uh, COVID came in and everything got shut down, and then it was pushed back in 21, and then it happened again, so now she's finally able to go. And we had a trip that was planned last year that got pushed into September of this year. Well, everybody knows those wildebeest and lions have COVID. <laughs> I'm not sure about that, but it is interesting watching the the uh, the animals in Africa on safari with the way that the, the for example, the zebras take care of themselves really well. Uh, they're supposed to be pretty ornery creatures. Zebras? Yeah, yeah. I don't really want to mess with a zebra. No, you don't. They're they're pretty fast, uh, but they. They, when they're when the herd is together with the zebras, you've got a couple of people, a couple of zebras who are on the outside, and they cross over each other's necks so that they're looking in like a ninety degree angle out of the horizon beyond them, and they are the, the guards, really? the sentries for the um, for the herd. And if they see anything, they send a warning. The herd just scatters. It's really amazing. Well, when uh, you make a mistake, you're dead. I guess you learn this stuff, even if you're a zebra. <laughs> God, pretty quickly, you don't get a second chance if if uh, you miss that lion stalking him. Um, yeah. Hey, uh, I don't suppose you did something avant garde and was looking at the eurozone inflation hitting yet another record high this morning. And it, it's funny how uh, I don't know. I, uh, People have gotten, it's, it's, it's stunning what we can do to the population. When I say we, whoever the hell thinks they're in charge or are in charge. I read this the entire article here, and just, just, I mean, uh, as, as you, I'm sure, recall, Brendan, the inflation for 
as long as you and I have been around, has been given out in monthly numbers, and it's up to you to extrapolate, either extrapolate the number going forward, or if you were to go back and look at the last 12, you could figure out what it is year over year, correct? But you always were given the current number, because... Clearly, there could have been no inflation 12 months ago, and if it's 2% now, the answer is not 1, right? <laughs> it's 2. Right. Uh, and, but now we've been, we've been weaned off that by, by, by directive of somebody who's ever really running the place, and I don't believe it was Trump or Biden. Uh, and the, and now all of a sudden there's this article here by Elliot Bishop and Katrina Bishop. Elliot Smith and Katrina Bishop, sorry. Uh, and every single number in here is year over year. You, you can't even get the monthly number. Inflation came in at eight, 8.1% for the month. Now that means up from April 7.4. They're not talking about the month. They're talking about the annual last year. But now they're even calling it 8.1% for the month, even though it's not. Is, is this... I happen to notice this because this is an area that that's a, that's a bait and switch type of a thing, which is comparing apples to oranges. Yeah, but now if, if you notice here now, you really have to dig to get the month over month number. You have they they come out with the the, the annual number, including this month, correct? Mm-hmm. So like last uh, this month was I don't know point eight or something. But the month before was one point three unadjusted. And in your and my day, 1.3 unadjusted times 12 <laughs> was 15.6. It wasn't 8. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now, but it's funny now, they're, they're, it's not just, they weren't for a while giving you both, and then they were accentuating the one, now they're not even giving you the under, the other one. Now my question is, who the hell are the they's, Brendan? I mean, who told these two bumps, Elliot and Katrina, to not even give you the month over and month number? How, is, that, is the editor telling them that? Is it CNBC? Is, is it is it just they've figured it out on their own, or where where does that even? Well, I'm so curious as to where these little these little directives come from. I uh, can't tell you that. I mean, it it does seem like a, a sneaky approach to uh, to bury some information. Well, they claim the energy costs are up thirty nine point two percent year over year, seven point five increase in food, alcohol, and tobacco. So if it's up, if it's seven point five percent this month, up from six point three last month, on a twelve month rolling basis, holy bleep! What was it up? Twelve percent? Had to be. Yep. By doing the that's, math. That's the simple math way to. That's the simple way math way to do it. That's the way that I was taught. Except, but you're also, but now, if now you're being taught to not do that. Mm-hmm. It's just two of us now that would figured out. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. If it increases by one percent in a month, like that's a lot. God. Yeah. Um, so here's a good one. Is the ECB has been, uh, uh, these guys, for those of you who, well, you listen to the show for a while, I assume, they've had a negative interest rate for how many years, Brendan? Four, three, four, five at least. At and, least that long. And, uh, now w- what that means is, in, a, in, in one man's opinion, I don't believe uh, Brendan would take his money, his wife's money, his dad's money, if he was still with us, and ever give him give somebody a hundred thousand dollars. Where in ten years they're going to give you like ninety nine back. I don't. I don't know that. Uh, what did uh, Mr. T used to say? I pity the fool would do that. Yeah. <laughs> no, you, you might say, okay, then why exactly would somebody do that? <laughs> 
And I'm going to say because you think somebody is, is dumber than you, uh, what they used to call it, the greater fool theory, that somebody's mm-hmm. going to pay up for that bond, you're going to pay you know, 102 for this bond because you know the central bank's going to be foolish enough to pay 103. Otherwise, no mm-hmm. one would ever, ever do that. Unless they had so much money, I guess they couldn't stuff it in a safety deposit box and just for safekeeping. But even that, you know, paying 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 somebody to hang onto your dough is is a little bit. So now this is our yeah. You're better off using your mattress. Yeah. So here we are, President Christine Lagarde, and what does this lady have on, on everybody? She just goes from one massive job to the other, and she ever she ever any good at any of them that anybody knows of? I mean, the, when she was president of the IMF, all he did was have problems when she was there, right? Yeah, she was also uh, the leader of um, Baker McKenzie, the law firm that's based here in Chicago, the international firm here. That was, uh, and she was doing international banking work before she went into the banking world, the regulatory world. Um, I guess it doesn't surprise me. I mean, who is really running the place? So earlier this month, European Central Bank President Christine Lagarde said she was anticipating a rate rise at the Central Bank's meeting in July. Based on the current outlook, we are likely to be in a position to exit negative interest rates by the end of the third quarter. If the euro area economy were overheating as a result of positive demand shock, it would make sense for policy rates to be raised sequentially above the neutral rate. Is there any any just ding, ding, ding on this lady's head, just like the people here, that she's the one who caused this? By pausing someone, pouring so much money into the system? The war just came afterward. This was already in the system. Does anybody, anybody not think that with negative interest rates, with these guys pouring that kind of cash, you wonder, Brendan, how much? I assume they have something the equivalent of QCIP numbers. Now, QCIP number for those that don't know, every single bond, warrant, uh, stock, or something that you buy or sell, well, you can't sell it if you didn't buy it already, um, has what they call a QCIP number, which ha- which is a a number given to that particular piece of whatever it is. Right, so I and I I I've heard anecdotally, Brennan, that some of the QCIP numbers of some of the bonds in some of the countries over in Europe, the central bank owned like seventy, eighty percent of the whole the whole batch. How is that how is that investing? Where where one group goes out, sells it, a country, and then the, the central bank prints up the money and goes and buys it back. I mean, what what the Wait heck? a minute. Um I I'm I'm not I'm not understanding your point about the QCIP numbers isn't identification. Well, I'm saying if it's an identification number. If 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 you have a if you go get it, um, IBM for instance has a QCIP number, IBM stock, right? But every single one, the the ten year, I think they had an auction last week, whatever whatever was auctioned, seven year, five year, ten year that the government went out, there is a QCIP number attached to that batch of of bonds or or notes. If a country, if a company like G has 15 different bonds out there. Every one of them has a QCIP number. Every one of them is 8.5% or 6.5% due X summer of date, blah, blah, blah. Call them. Every one of them has some story behind it, and it has a number on it. Okay. So, but I, I was going to, I mean, it's an identification number. The QCIP number has uh, the prefix number, and then the last three digits, the last three identifiers are... For the maturity yes. of the bond. Well, the, the, the QCIP number references everything about that bond, right? What, I, what I'm saying is, is there are, rumor has it that what I've read is that some 
say the the ten year bond that the Fed that the Treasury lobbed out there two years ago, on a, on a, on a, in an April on an April Tuesday, whatever the hell it was, there's a QCIP number following that bond, and it's owned by some people that that batch of bonds. Well, I'm saying in, in Europe, I'm saying they were buying so many of these that some of the batches were like 70, 80 percent owned by the central bank and not not people. Same thing happened here to a lot of them. But I'm, I'm still not following uh, following your point. I'm sorry. Well, what I'm saying is, okay, the, the, this, this is the, the two-step process that I, I keep trying to explain. When, when you say the, the, the Fed, who's the Fed and who's the, who's the, the Treasury? The, the Treasury, they're going to say, we're going to go out and borrow $100 bucks because we're going to send out checks to people or whatever. So they go out on a Tuesday, and, and the, the auction is for $100 million dollars worth of U.S. seven-year or five-year or, or six-month, whatever the hell it is. That's what they do. Okay, but then the, the Federal Reserve normally is in this market just to keep the money supply where it's supposed to be to where the rate is supposed to be, but they've gone beyond that. They've gone out and they've, they've bought those bonds at a price which drives the interest rate down. So what I'm saying is three months later, the $10 billion of those bonds that the that the Treasury has gone out and borrowed money from you from, the Fed has essentially went back out and bought them back to the point where they, they now own them at a price where now the interest rate is a lot less than when they issued them. It's that's the, 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 the process is pretty, that's what I'm saying, it's, it's very, very contrived. Okay, I'll give you that. It sounds pretty contrived. Well, um, so what I'm saying, for the, for the interest rates in Europe to be negative, that means that the that the central bank has to be buying these things at a price at which, at the end of the day, they're not getting, they're not making any money. They're actually losing money on them. Mm-hmm. Right. You're, you're, you're well, I, I mean, I, I thought that the whole purpose of the of the negative uh, interest rate was to spur investment to get rid of your money to invest in something else rather than just have it deposited with the bank. Uh, yeah, that's that's my point, and 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 they're, and they're paying so. But it all it all starts with the central bank buying securities at a price at which that price is negative. That's that's what that's what I think is not generally known. In other words, how would how would a, how would a, a bond get negative? If if you were to if you go out and you buy a hundred thousand dollars worth of bonds and say there's a two percent interest rate on the mm-hmm. bonds, okay, you, you plunk up you plunk down your hundred thousand, and every year you're going to get your your two thousand bucks. In ten years from now, you get your hundred thousand back, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what if somebody bids that bond up to where the price is one thirty? All right, so the interest rate goes down on it. The interest rate goes down to the point where, if you add up the two thousand dollars a year plus the money back, hmm, that's only one twenty. I just paid one thirty. Mm-hmm. Hence, the rate is now negative. Right. Okay. So, uh, uh, but you're missing. Okay. Um, so, what do you mean? What do you mean? Saying that—that's how it gets there. I mean, what? How, how did? Uh, it's, it's not the same as going to the bank and them saying, "Oh, by the way, we're going." It, it could lead to that. Okay, but then that'd be really bizarre. <clears throat> well, I mean, I think uh, I, I'm not sure where you're going with this. As far as and it is convoluted, it is contrived. But I mean that happens in the marketplace. I'm not sure that 
I, I, I'm still, I'm sorry, I'm not making the connection of it being delivered on the part of the ECB. What I'm saying is the, the money or the Fed. Okay, the money they're using to buy those at that rate, to drive them down there, mm-hmm. is, is essentially printed money. That's how they increase the money supply. And when the money supply goes up, that's what drives the inflation. Okay. Um, I, I, we're, we're, I, I'm not sure how to really address this about right, well, how... That's okay. It well, sounds so conspiratorial. <laughs> well, but, but but it's but it's not that that's what that's what they do on a daily basis to ma- to manage the federal funds rate. They put money in the system and pull money out. That, that that's that's what the Fed yeah. does for a living. Mm-hmm. I'm saying when it gets very policy oriented, all they do is put money in. Um. Well, uh, yeah, I. I you're I, I, I guess that, that I, I think that I, I think that the, the the government entities, both in Europe and here, are not that conspiratorial. I mean, I, I I just start with the basic premise that they're not. I think that that they work with information. It may be bad results, it may be bad choices, but I don't think they're male, male, malevolent in what they're trying to do. Uh, and I don't think that it's specifically designed to. Um, to bring down the system or to kind of look. Now, I, I do think that the, the way that the information is presented doesn't help the, the discussion about whether it's conspiratorial or not because, you know, as you pointed out before, when you're looking at the, the monthly inflation figures, uh, the way that those are presented makes it a lot easier to raise arguments or to explain things. And that's wrong. I mean, the, the hiding the information or making it more difficult to find out what the true numbers are and not being honest about it uh, is wrong and it makes it a lot more difficult to defend their policy. But I think that a lot of the policies um, are, are not meant to destroy the system um, and that, you know, that, that's kind of where I'm going. Okay, I mean, uh, that's, that, that's a... By the way, it's a very uh, professorial point of view. Milton, Milton Friedman had the wrong, had the, I won't say the wrong, had the, had the same view of the world. But people just made, uh, they did something with all the best intentions, and it uh, sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. I mean, that was their, that was their shtick. And, and, I, I, uh, and I would say that uh, most people would like to believe that, and so would I. But when, I, when I've seen it, on several occasions, and the same people win and the same people lose, I start to wonder, Brendan. That's that's I guess where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, if you were uh, in a courtroom and every single time you thought the judge was straight, and you won't, and you notice that the same group of attorneys seem to win ten times in a row, you're going to start. Even you are going to start scratching your head, saying, "Really, are they that good?" That's a fair point. When you look, when you look at the circumstantial evidence, and uh, then. That that's certainly uh, another uh, another um, way to look at it and see maybe there is something else going on here. But I I, I still come back to the fact I, I'm not sure that happens. I think there are too many players. I think there are too many players in the world economy for that to really be happening when you're looking at especially a combination of the European market and the U.S. market. Um, and they change from from time to time. It's not always the same people in charge. Um, 
So I mean, I I I just think it's a bit of a reach. Okay, I mean, it's, I, uh, I I I believe. Well, in this particular instance, I'll just ask you what the if you were to say, uh, you're not really. What I mean, what is inflation? It's 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 too much money in the system, correct? I mean, I think everybody, I think we agree on mm-hmm. that, All right? Well, <clears throat> yeah. If somebody were to say we're degrading our dollar, uh, somebody else is going to say, well, "What do you mean? It's actually going up versus the euro and the yen." All right. So, but if well, if if everybody coordinates, that relative relationship is not the one you're looking for. You're looking for. Dollars versus IBM stock. You're looking at dollars versus automobiles, right? So it can it can get kind of eluded if there's any any kind of coordination. What you're talking about is that the it would be very obvious if we went off on a on a trip like this on our own, and so did the European Central Bank, and nobody went with them. It would show up in the price of that currency racing down compared to somebody else's immediately, right? Mm-hmm. And it hasn't happened. Now the question is: Is there some sort of coordination with all with all good intentions? But I don't. I don't think European interest rates could have been below zero if ours weren't damn near zero. But if ours were seven or eight, there's no way they could have been below zero, right? That's true. That's too big of a spread to make it work right. So, well, anyway, what what uh, what do you make of uh, what's saying? Shubbies here because you're much. I mean, you're much. What do you make of some of these? We, we might have, uh, uh, Karen, um, um, what's her last middle name? Norrington Reeves on Friday. And she's running for, uh, Bobby Rush's spot. What, what do you make of 17 people in the Democratic side of the primary and like six on the Republicans? I don't know. A few have dropped out. What, is it, have you ever seen anything like that? I mean, you're closer to this than me. It just seems like a lot of people. Uh, well, this is this is a feeding frenzy because that's a district that's going to be safe for a long period of time. Uh, I mean, a, at least ten years. So, who, and whoever wins that uh, on the Democratic side is likely to win that seat in Congress for a long period of time, at least ten years. When you look at the history of Bobby Rush um, in that that district, so it, it's kind of a safe job for somebody who wins that. So, there's a feeding frenzy, and and there's no real. Um, uh, child of Bobby Rush who's going to step into that role, and I, I'm using the child loosely, not just uh, biologically, but I'm saying like you know somebody that he's groomed to take that spot because uh, he's been around it for a long time. And um, so there, there's the initial the initial election for that seat is going to be frenzied, and unless unless the person really screws up, uh, he or she is going to be safe for at least ten years with the safe congressional seat. What you, is it? Is it any sort of a phenomenon of the fact that they've all been redrawn? The people who weren't even in that district are now running, and I know the, the gentleman. Well, sure, it, make, it, make, it makes a big difference because um, you know if, if Rush were to re, had retired two election cycles ago, he had already built an infrastructure in that district that he could turn over to whoever his appointed or anointed successor is. And they would work to, for at least one or two election cycles before the districts have been redrawn. It's further complicated in Illinois right now because we lost a congressional seat. So instead of, uh, I think we went from 18 to 17 or 17 to 16. So there's a combination of redistricting and redrawing them in a way that a lot of people don't have the same constituents that they had the last election cycle or two cycles ago. 
you know, you look at somebody like uh, Marie Newman and Sean Caston in the 6th District right now, uh, their district was redrawn so that neither one of them has the same constituent base that elected them for the last two election cycles, and they're compete- competing against each other. Well, they also have on the Republican same thing side. Downstate. Well, well, same thing downstate. There are Republicans that are uh, against each other in uh, some sta- some of the, the congressional districts. So, yeah, the redistricting has a lot to do with it. In fact, even if Rush was not retiring, uh, there could be a feeding frenzy because of the way the maps were redrawn. It would put two Democrats or two Republicans in a primary system to get that spot, to get that seat. Well, the gentleman we had had from uh, Orland, who will be running against, well, if he wins a primary, we run against the, either one of the two people you're talking about. I don't. He would never. He's a very popular mayor in Orland. I think I, Orland is mm-hmm. now smack in the middle of the new district that wasn't even in the old district. He, I don't think he would even be running if it was the old the old map. Right, but, but and and that's happened in, uh, in other parts of the state as well. That the way it's been redrawn, uh, a lot of things are up for grabs, and a lot of what. You know, they still may refer to them as safe red seats or state blue seats, but they're not the same constituent base, whether it's in the Chicagoland area or downstate. And that is because Illinois lost a congressional district. It, it really has, has no impact on the Senate race because Senate is a statewide election. But for the congressional districts and the, the state reps and state senators, it's a huge difference uh, the way they were withdrawn. Even, even when you look about the map for city council here in Chicago, uh, with all the the conflagration about that over the last couple of months as to who's going to save their seats and how those districts have been redrawn. We only have to look at the, what is it, the 36th Ward? 36th Ward. Is that the most bizarre thing you've ever seen? Or close? Uh, it's convoluted, all right. <laughs> all right, but uh, have a good week. Am I going to see you now that you're batching it? Uh, Maybe. Are you in Chicago? Are you batching? Whether I'm, uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to be here. Uh, I just came back last night because I've got a doctor's appointment this morning. So I'm, I came back to Chicago late last night, uh, and uh, but I'm not sure where I'll be next week. I may be over in Michigan. Well, find us if you're here, but take care of yourself. SP Futures down 20, Nasdaq Futures down 15. We'll be right back, Mr. Joel and Cannon. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The Control Freak's Guide to Life, Money, and Probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck, get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. 
A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation of the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here. Right now. Right here, right now, right now. Hello, Rolf Bates, Dyson I'm Tom Howard. She's Eliani on the board. SP Futures down 18, NASDAQ Futures down 6, Dow Futures down uh, 163. I don't see most of the stuff in the Dow is red. I don't really see anything down a huge amount. Procter and Gamble down buck 44, uh, Home Depot down a dollar 56, but just everything's a little red. Amgen down 126. Uh, again, no no major catastrophe there, at least not yet. Over in Asia, we've got the uh, Nikkei down 89.3%, Shanghai up 37, 1.2, and Hang Seng up 291, 1.4. Hang Seng's trying to make a little bit of a comeback, but they're still down from, they're like 29,000 and something a year ago, under 21,415, so they've got a ways to bounce to get anywhere near break to break even. On Friday, we had another huge update. Dow up 575, 1.8%, S&P up 100, 2.5%, NASDAQ up 393, 3. So it's either the, the end of the bear market, start of a new bull market, or the world's, the world's biggest bear market rally ever. So hard to tell which at this point. As of now, I'm thinking maybe it's uh, uh, maybe the end of the bear market, but we will see. Over in Europe, we've got the DAX down 95.7%, FTSE up 27.4%, CAC around down 63 That's a full percent. Um, Bonds up six basis points, two point eight one. So again, we've been in this seven five to eight five range, not really going back to three in the last few weeks. Anyway, the bond up four basis points, one point zero eight. This is the same time Christine Lagarde's talking about getting rid of the negative interest rates. They've, they've already done it on their own. I don't know what, what she's talking about. Uh, Japan uh, unchanged at point two three. We've got oil, big move here today, up to three forty two to one eighteen forty nine. Brent up one sixty four. 
123.31. Natural gas is down 14 cents, 8.58 still. This is as uh, EU has has decided they're going to do a it's like about 80 or 85 percent ban on Russian oil. Hungary is a little bit of a a rough one in there, but Russian oil is is vowing to find uh, other people. So we'll see if they do it. It'll take their oil. Um, our Bob <coughs> up eight cents uh, at at 409. That's as high as I think we've seen that. So that's not good for people filling up their tank. Gold down 7.30, 18.44. Silver down 40 cents, 21.69. Copper up 2 cents, 4.33. And we've got Bitcoin up 1142 bucks at 31,817. Eliane, what do you got for us, Travis Weather Sports? Thanks so much, Tom. Good morning, everyone. Currently 6.36 a.m. on May 31st. Let's start with sports. Uh, let's get into baseball. Uh, Cubs lost to the Brewers last night 3-1 to with a chance uh, to, for a comeback tonight at 7.05. Uh, Demonbacks beat the Braves last night 6-2 with the rematch at 8-40. And the White Sox will be playing the Blue Jays tonight at 6-07, so look forward to that. Looking at traffic in Chicago this morning, partly cloudy, 74, high of 87, low of 69. There will be rain later on this evening, so please look out for that. Be safe on the roads this morning. In Phoenix, Arizona, currently sunny, 73, high of 98, and a low of 72. Looking at traffic in Chicago this morning, not too shabby. We have traffic eastbound on 290 between St. Charles and Central. Uh, traffic eastbound 990 between Lee Street and Lawrence. Uh, traffic eastbound 94 between West North Avenue and Canal Port. Intermittent traffic westbound 94 between Route 6 and 103rd with an accident at Doty Avenue. And uh, traffic picks up again at 59th going to West Division. Uh, we got traffic northbound on 55 between Route 171 to the 94 East Ramp. And finally, traffic northbound on 55 between West 119th all the way to the 94 East Ramp. Back to you, Chief. Do we have Mr. Joel? Yes, you do. Good hey, buddy, how are you? What's the good word? What's the good word? Uh, well, uh, we had the Memorial Day uh, rally, and um, I think this is an important week for the market. Uh, not necessarily lasting and going higher, but uh, let's see if we can hold on to a majority of these gains. Uh we were much higher Sunday night, and we were much lower uh, earlier this morning, but we're only down 15 handles in the S&P, so uh, let's just uh, hang in there today. That's that's my that's my outlook for the, for the day and for the week. So the, the market let us know whether it's, the, it's for real or it's the world's biggest bear market rally. Yeah, well, I mean, the... From a from a purely numbers standpoint, as far as you know, looking at like the levels, yeah, it was a nice rally. Uh, but if you're a volume guy, uh, you're saying, oh no, no, this is a, a bear market rally, uh, low volume, low conviction, uh, and uh, you know that you know that that's not good. I'd rather see the volume, uh, you know, be picking up. But it's not overall in the S and uh, in the spiders. It really tailed off last week. So I mean, there's a positive and a negative. The positive is is we're up here. We're we're way off the low. The negative is it wasn't on bust out volume, which probably had something to do with uh, seasonality. Yeah, I would say so. Then, yeah, I think it's uh, plus. I think some people got wounded margin wise. So I don't. I don't know if the that the regular retail person, of course, there's always a million people that could put money in the market or take it out. Whenever people say, "Oh God, there's huge amounts of cash one way or the other," or not, I mean, it's all kind of BS. If it's, if it's a value, people find the money, right? And if and if, and if they want to get rid of it, they find a way to sell it. So um, I think there was, I mean, it was really not. It wasn't a seller anywhere I could find last week. I mean, uh, 
well, we just all did a buy side. I don't know how much it sort of takes if there's nobody willing to sell. It just kind of went up pretty easy, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, um, I mean, you're making a really good point there uh, uh, as far as, like, the retail investor or, you know, the more seasoned investor. You know, when you see something like a, a Target, you know, or a Walmart, they shellac, you know, 20 30% in a day, um, you know, when, when those big stocks are susceptible to things, you know, that really turns off. You know, those are low beta stocks. And, um, you know, that, that not only, you know, your, your, your mid, you know, your, uh, short term, your intermediate term, but your long term investors look at that and say, you know, the heck with this market. If something like Target or Walmart can fall like that, I'm not safe in anything. But, uh, you know, you can call it, uh, you can call it the, uh, the Top Gun rally if you want, you know? Uh, best Memorial Day opening, um, ever. Yeah. Uh, with that movie. So I think that that's, uh, I think it's, it's a balance of, you know, higher inflation and interest rates versus, you know, the reopening. <laughs> I hate to keep saying it, but, you know, the reopening train. And, uh, I guess if you're if you're uh, on the airlines, uh, you're not too happy with the reopening trade. It looks like they were totally ill prepared for the travel this weekend. You can blame blame it on weather all you want, uh, but it seems like the airlines were just not prepared for the massive travel, and as a result, a uh, huge cancellation. So not not good. There's just positives and negatives everywhere, Chief. Yeah, the uh, I, I was kind of surprised reading that this morning. How many? Uh you know, <clears throat> thousands of cancellations, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not talking about a few. We're talking about worldwide thousands. Oh, in a oh yeah, oh yeah, and it's still going on right now. Um, I just saw that uh, 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 there's been uh, flights canceled over in Europe as well. So, uh, actually, thirty-seven thousand pounds I'm seeing here uh, a cancellation. Tui Tui cancels. Uh, Quarter flights from Manchester Airport, so that's going to affect up to thirty-seven thousand passengers. So it does, it looks like it, you know, it's not a short-term thing. It looks like uh, the airlines are running into some long-term problems, and that's not good for the reopening trade. Well, I just, you know, I would, I would love to. The last thing I want to do because I know, I know the, the 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 policy of the government, right or wrong, when they send out a lot of this uh, <coughs> PPP and. Uh, you know, whether employee uh, retention money, <coughs> it was it was really, for lack of a better term, uh, and it actually is a term that the monetarists use. It was really helicopter money. I mean, they really didn't care. I mean, if, if people mm-hmm. if people were legit, not legit, um, you know, uh, followed the rules or didn't follow the spirit of the rules or whatever. I mean, the money nobody cared. They were just they're just mailing out checks. But this whole mess of uh, Airlines getting this kind of money to stay in business without a, a hint of a problem in terms of the chairman getting his check and everybody, and all of a sudden a year later they don't nobody's got any pilots because they've forced a lot of them to retire and all. Well, if they forced them all to retire or they did naturally or they weren't, tra- where did all that money go? I guess, Joe. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know, I don't know, Chief. You you could you, you don't want to you don't want to kill yourself going back and, and looking at every little. Thing somebody did, and then you know, like winging them in jail. It's so counterproductive. It's scary. But we start talking about trillions of dollars, and you wonder, wait a minute. I mean, even you wonder, even like regular businesses and restaurants. God, I can't find anybody. Well, why would you have to find anybody? We just sent you money to pay everybody. 
even even though they weren't doing anything. If you if you, if you didn't if they left anyway, where's the dough? I mean, you know, these are these are kind of simple questions, aren't they? Yeah, I mean the the whole. Uh, I mean, what you're alluding to, you know, is uh, is baffling to me. You know that uh, you know everyone's talking about recession, and then you know you know because of inflation, you know, dampening demand. But everywhere I go, I see you know help wanted and So I, I don't know, Chief. It, it's um, it's a very it's a uh, in, a, in one way, it's a very straightforward market. You know, higher interest rates, not good for the market. That You know, uh, tech stocks, overvalued coming in. Uh, but, you know, then when, you know, some of these value stocks, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough market for long-term investing, no matter what way you look at it, with money coming in, money coming out. Uh, but, um, or you, can, you know, just trade what, invest what's in front of you. And that was a good week last week. We just oh, yeah. need to continue. Yeah, I would agree. I I was kind of surprised the, the the few weeks before, and a lot of the wailing and gnashing of teeth of market going down was all the all the big stacks that everybody touts all day long, and, and a lot of these TVs, those are ones that are going down. I mean, the, yeah. I mean the pain was in you you couldn't find anybody, and and CNBC in the last two years, it wasn't a tout for Target and Nvidia, Apple always, and those are the ones that were getting hammered, which. You know, Amazon. I don't even want to go there. Things down a thousand dollars for God's sake. Or, I mean, it, yeah, uh, that's a lot of well, dough. That's I mean, what that's what the market wanted. You know, there was a correction in everything except for those stocks, and then you finally got the correction in those, and a lot of those, not to the degree of uh, a Target or a Walmart, and um, you got it, and then the uh, the rally. You know, uh, you got the rebound. Uh, so we got through earnings season for the most part. Um, so now, you know, now we'll see, you know, we'll see what uh, Bernanke has up, the, you know, up his sleeve. I mean, I think it's, you know, I don't think we're going to see any more uh, three-quarter or any three-quarter point hikes, but, you know, the half-point hikes are there, and um, we'll see. We'll see if we, we need a good, I know we got a good number on Friday, the PCE number, uh, but I, I would like to see confirmation from the uh, CPI number that we have in the middle of well, next month. Well, I, I want to see some some semblance of correlation between one of these guys' numbers and what you and I are seeing. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, there, no. there's no connection. I mean, you look, that PCE came in what year over year at five point four percent. Are they into the recreational hooch? What are they? What are they smoking? <laughs> I don't know, Chief, but the market took in a run with it. Yeah. As we, you know, as long as we've been in the market, you know that the market doesn't care what we think, right? Oh yeah. And, uh, well, they were setting us up for that. The, you know, that, that's the that's the interesting. I mean, I just I don't know why I'm getting so. Uh, well, I do know why, but I mean, it was <laughs> that, that that number. Everybody talked all week about how it looks like inflation is it's topped out, it's coming down, and sure enough, these guys pop with this number on Friday now. Are, are we the only ones who didn't didn't get the number till Friday or what? Oh, there might have been a few memos out there that we didn't get. So, you know, that's why I have you on to get these memos. You got your finger on the pulse. Of I the wish, man. I keep even going to my junk mail or something. I'm not sure. I'll, I'll, I'll have to check those. Yeah, but I'll, I'll check for spam. See if I got my little little thing from Chairman Powell. Anyway, Joel, take care of yourself, bud. SP Futures down 1750, and the SP only down two. So, kind of a mix and not much here after a big week last week. Right back, Mr. Kenny Polkary. 
Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Money, get away, get a good job with Pena. Okay. Welcome back, Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Holland. She's Oliani on the board. SP Futures, now eighteen fifty. Nasdaq Futures down six seventy five. Uh, individual stocks moving today. Uh, we have uh, Chevron. Obviously, it's most of the stuff. Most of the, the stuff, the stocks in the Dow are down here. We've only got two blips of green. One is, of course, Chevron Texaco up a buck eighty-two with uh, the oil stocks uh, sneaking up here this morning because of uh, uh, oil being up three dollars a barrel. That's a lot. Uh, the other one would be uh, uh, Salesforce only down forty cents, but the rest of them are down. Everybody's down a little bit. McDonald's down one seventeen. Johnson Johnson down one nineteen. Uh, Home Depot down 156, Goldman Sachs down 183. So we're c- coming back just a little bit this morning, but after a massive rally last week, I wouldn't be too uh, worried about it. Kenny, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Did you have a nice weekend? Yeah, I've had better. Um, <laughs> good. The, uh, What's going on? Uh, I don't know. I'm just reading this thing here. Uh, it says here, uh, Fed Chief, Fed Governor Waller in conversations with Kenny Polcari over the weekend says he's going to 10%. <laughs> yeah, funny how that works. I kept that quiet from you. Yeah, it was over in Jersey yesterday, which is why this headline comes up. People wondering, what the hell he talking on a Monday for when it was a holiday here? But in fact, he was in Germany uh, making those comments, uh, which are actually in contrast to what maybe some people assume the minutes revealed last week. You know, everyone 
Everyone's talking about, oh, the Fed's going to pause. The Fed's going to pause. No reason to get nervous in the market rally. And, and Waller comes out and throws, you know, gas on that fire. So that's actually not. As far as he's concerned, he sees 50 basis points at every meeting between now and the end of the year, which takes rates above the neutral stance, which is defined as 2.5%, more to like 3 3.5%, which is exactly where Bullard wanted to go three months ago when he said it, Mester, Brainerd, Mester, uh, uh, George, and Daly. They all want to get more aggressive, and they all want to go there. So once again, Mark's confused with what the message is, right? Are we pausing? We're not pausing. Are we going to be aggressive? We're not going to be aggressive. And you see what futures are doing. Right now, they're backing off some. Uh, certainly, last week's rally was great. Up The market was up 9% from beginning of week to end of week. Um, but once again, there's that confusion, right? That, 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 that lack of understanding on clarity of where the Fed is going to go. But, um, um, so we'll have more volatility ahead. Kenny, are you, uh, being a guy who was on the New York Stock Exchange for a long, long time, and if, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but I see uh-huh. a, a, a total degradation, really, of, of the market fabric. Last week's 9% rise over, you know, maybe a, a sell-off that went a little too deep. I don't know. It's hard to tell and those kinds of things. I guess my question is, even if you're bullish, is a nine percent comeback rally is that is that something that's a good thing in one week? Well, listen, it, listen, it's a bear market rally, right? I still think we're very much in a bear market. I still think that the path is the path is lower still. But when the market gets to, like you said, those short term way oversold positions, because the pendulum swings way too far to the left, you know, it's got to come back, it's got to kind of stabilize. So you get these rallies, and then you get another, you get some more pressure on the downside. Now look. I, I suspect that's what's going to happen. It's always welcome. You know, you love to see these, these rallies kind of in the middle of it. It, 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 settle, it, it tries to settle people down. But then once, you know, it, it focuses back on where we are, what the economics are saying, what the Fed is going to do, then, you know, the market's going to price in the real, you know, the reality of a lower valuation based on higher interest rates. And so the push lower will resume. Although I do think, I'm getting the sense that 3,800 feels to be like a level that, uh, we've tested a couple of times. We need to test it one more time, right? Three times is always a charm to see whether or not it, it holds. Uh, my sense is it wants to hold. Now, if the Fed suddenly gets super aggressive and talks about 75 basis points height uh, at the next couple of meetings, then that's, that's going to change the narrative. But, you know, if we say at 50 and we go to three and a quarter, three and a half percent, because honestly, Bullard already put it out there. The market's kind of sensing that that was a possibility. So it's not really new. But it's just different from what they were trying to tell us last week, which I think is bull. Yeah, I think there's a uh, somewhat of a difference between the mentality of I won't put you in my class in terms of age. Uh, the old the oldsters look at this, and maybe some people in the market, but I I honestly think that almost this this group of investors now, whatever the average age is or whatever, this group of investors almost has to be. It's like they're off of Missouri. It's like the show-me state. I mean, you and I can, or the Fed can talk about we're going to have 3% interest uh, or 35 or whatever, be it Bullard or this other guy. But I don't think that the investors, especially the new ones, even have a clue what that means until they actually see it. So I, I, well, I would agree. But I think that, I think that Rick, listen, for, for nearly, well, for more than a decade, probably 12 years, right, that rates have been, 13 years, yeah. rates have been, zero, 
and the Fed has done nothing but, you know, uh, prime the pump. Um, and so they only have this, this whole this whole generation of investors only know one thing, zero rates and Fed, 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 right? That's yeah. all they know. And it's not their fault that that's all they know, but that is all they know. You and I, on the other hand, uh, you know, we lived through the stagflation of the 70s, and we lived through the 80s and 90s, we lived through the last 13 years of zero interest rates, knowing all along that, that you know, this game can't be played for, for very long. You know, it went on for 13 years, much too long in my opinion, but yeah. they did what they did. And now, to get out of it, it's not going to happen in six months or seven months. It's going to be a rocky road getting out, which is why I gotta think you're going to see these fits and starts as they try to protect the market from a complete meltdown. Uh, all at once, right? The market will march, march lower with short, these short-term interim rallies and then lower again, I think. Well, the, uh, I mean, the, the weird part of this whole mess is, I mean, there's a million weird parts, is that you and I, I guess the world, it's probably done a lot better than you and I have. The, the world looks at these, you know, pick a, a Lululemon, pick a Target, pick whatever it is. When you and I see a drop of pretty dramatic, or even Tesla, which lost half its value. Yeah. I mean, there, there are most people, most, most people, maybe they're saner than we are, Kenny, are going to look and say, holy bleep, the stock's down from 1200 bucks to 650 Uh This thing is a screaming buy. And you and I look at it, yeah, you and I look at it and say, you know, it, it's it's an oil company that doesn't make any money. I'm not even sure it's worth 600. I mean, that, it's just a difference in point of view. And sure enough, the thing's back up 100 hours, and I missed out on it. I mean, agreed, agreed. But a lot of that was driven by those those ridiculous valuations. You're driven by no place else to go with rates zero. Right. They took you. They done right. You see what they done, and so and they did it across the board. I mean, remember we had this conversation about NFTs. Notice no one's even talking about NFTs anymore. A year ago, every time you turned on the television, NFTs trading at multi-million dollar uh, uh, trades. And I'm sitting there going, what am I missing? In yeah, yeah. But meanwhile, all that, no, no one even talks about NFTs anymore. And Bitcoin and cryptos, while I do think that they are around, I don't think they're going away. But certainly they've cooled off as well, too, as, as reality kind of sets in. So... You know, it's it's going to be a learning process for a whole generation of investors, but it is what it is. Well, the bit the Bitcoin part, I I, I think, especially with all the central banks doing the stuff they've been doing, Kenny, I, from day one, I've said I, I'm not a, at all surprised that there somebody's trying to, to use an alternative payments mechanism to, to get right. around those kinds of things and all the regulatory thing. I mean, you you can't use cash, you can't use this, you can't use that. Uh, I mean, will there be another medium of exchange if the central banks don't wake up? The answer might be yes, but Bitcoin is going beyond that. Bitcoin's an artificial stock. I mean, with the valuation yeah. flying up and down, that I think will end. Now, whether yeah, it, well, I, think, uh, I actually think you're starting to see that end, right? The ridiculousness yeah. of Bitcoin, and while I, I can't predict which way it's going, I, do, I am an investor in it because I do think that there's a role for cryptocurrencies in, a, in the future world. And so therefore, you know, I don't have, I, I'm not overexposed to a penny strength, but you know, I'm, I'm dipping my feet in it just to kind of stay involved in it. But I think the, I think the ridiculous, uh, price moves that we follow over the last four or five years are going to absolutely slow down and, and hopefully some more stability and reality comes to both of them. Well, if there was a, if there was a company, and there might be one of them, I just, I just don't know. If there was one of them that said, I'm going to put together an, an, artif- an artificial, a, a real currency, a world currency based on, you know, some combination of 
oil, silver, gold, bridges I bought, whatever it is, and, and invest yeah. in that company that essentially gets paid for every time somebody makes a payment, they get a little piece. I, I might be the first investor. But the idea that the yeah. thing goes up and down, and what am I investing in in Bitcoin? I'm not, I'm, I'm not investing in the, quote, company. There is none. It's just, well, I don't know what it is. Agreed. Yeah, I just... What do you, so what do you think this week? Are we going to a little bit of a test down here today? This, it's not much of a test down after last week. No, it's not. And then I said that in my note this morning. I mean, the moves today, even though the market's different, it's not as pales in comparison to what we saw last week. But there's a lot of eco data this week, right? There's a yeah. lot of information. There's both the ADP and then there's the non-farm payroll report on Friday. What's that going to show? Average hourly earnings is supposed to be at 5.2% year over year, but inflation is running at 8.5%. Yeah. So that's in the positive uh, math equation, right? The consumer's losing. We know that. The consumer's continuing to lose. What's going to happen to factory orders? What's going to happen to PMI? They're also weakening. Still in expansionary territory, but trending lower towards the neutral and then ultimately in the contraction territory, uh, which, again, is not a positive. So I think a lot of it's going to be driven. People are going to parse through Waller's statements yesterday. There's a lot of Fed speak this week. Uh, between New York, Scott, uh, New York and Jimmy Ford and then, uh, Loretta Mester, they're all going to be talking, uh, interpreting or not, or answering questions about what Waller said. Ford's on his side, Mester's on his side. So I would expect that you're going to see, uh, more aggressive talk. Give me, give me one real, one real quick question because I want to, want to set up a, 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 kind of more an unusual conversation for us next week. Uh, I want to have a, a, Eliane, please, please take a note because I'll, I'm liable to forget. I want to have a, a policy conversation with you regarding, because I think you are the one, you know, one of the guys that's really smart enough to have it with me and can, can teach us. What do you make of the fact that after, what do you, we're talking about, uh, months and months now of sanctions against Russia that the ruble's higher than when we started? Yeah, <laughs> I have to do some work on that to understand why that, because remember, the ruble could crush originally. Uh, yeah. But then it rallied back. So I have to do some more work on why I think that happened. I'm not really sure. Why. I can't answer that question right now. Well, yeah, well, we don't have any time. So now not be, I, I couldn't either. But maybe by next week, uh, how much Russian oil is really going to stay off the market, you think? Well, India. They said India is buying up everything they can from Russia. So India is stockpiling Russian oil. So I don't think you know, Russia is going to continue to sell the oil. They just sell it to different, to different buyers. But they said this morning uh, on the news that India is, is you know, Taking everything they got and buying Russian oil. You think they're getting a discount or paying real price? Well, I bet you they're getting a little bit of a discount to help them out to keep them buying it because they're buying up. Apparently, yeah. the report said they're buying. I have to go. I have to read more about it. But they said they're buying up everything they can. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they get some kind of a discount. All right, buddy. Take care of yourself. A lot, lot to learn this week. I don't know if I trust those Indian dudes these days. SP futures down twenty four. SP futures down twenty. Be right back, Mr. Hellstar. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for 
stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Welcome to Base Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Eliani on the board. SP Futures down 26 now. NASDAQ Futures down 26. We've been flopping back and forth. Last night we were up, then we were down more, and then we were pretty much unchanged when we came in, and now we're leaking a little bit here. No real... No, no, uh, News is coming flying out here. I said the only stock in the down now that's up is uh, uh, CVX, which is uh, Chevron Texaco, because oil's up like three fifty. Hey, Al, how are you? Good morning. What's going on, man? Did you have a good good weekend? Oh, it rained heavy this weekend. It was kind of cold. You guys are in the drought, though. Weren't you happy? Oh, yeah. Well, we're happy with that, but uh, we just kind of like hug around the house and uh, didn't get out much. How usual is it for you guys to get rain in, in uh, June or May? Uh, pretty unusual. Not, I mean, the rain was like what we got in Greensboro when we lived in Greensboro, North Carolina. It was like a southeastern rainstorm just pouring. So there's no, no point going on outside. So is the drought over? Uh, I think the drought is uh, made worse by the fact that Utah is growing so fast. Uh, you have just more people demanding water, and I don't think nature can keep up with it. So I think contributing to our drought is the fact that we have all these new people living here. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's just, you know, when government runs a monopoly like water and doesn't price it in a market system, um, you the reserves, the supply of it will decline. So, I, I, you know, it's just... For me, it's mostly about all these new people that are moving to Utah. 
and it it really got it really picked up during the pandemic. We lived near a U U haul place, and man, that thing was just flooded with trailers and trucks, and they're parking them on the street because there's so many coming into the city. Well, what is the uh, let's let's run with this a little bit, because this, this is uh, interesting, especially people from the Midwest where. All we do is have too much water that breeds too many mosquitoes. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's an unusual situation, but Southwest, it's really it's it's not it's not the deal. I mean, how how would you have? I mean, when I first started going to Phoenix back in the early '80s to go see the Cubs play spring training and so forth, and then we started doing a lot of business out there. I actually had a branch out there for a while. God, hell, the thing's twice as big as it was when we started, and, and they didn't even water that. It, there, there's no, there's no kind of cap whatsoever on on, on population growth, even though people know that there's only a limited supply of stuff. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not saying yeah, the water, put a gate around the water the place, situation's but, always been the same out west. You know, it just doesn't rain very much. I mean, you get you get east of Mississippi, um, you get out into the plain states, and one reason why homesteading didn't work and it worked in the east, but it didn't work in the west is because. You know, homestead was limited to like 160 acres or something like that. And that works in the east where you get a lot of rain. But out west, you need, you need uh, at least 800 acres to make a farm work with the 1800s technology. And that's one of the reasons why homesteading just didn't work very well. Because it's always been a problem. We've always had an issue with um, uh, lack of rain. So we've had to turn to things like irrigation and canals and whatnot. And... Usually the government's running those operations, and I don't think it works very well when government does it. Well, I, I mean, when when you hear a, a fight, the uh, what was this, this? I'm going to say, from my recollection, uh, Phoenix has what there were two two pretty good sized canals that came from uh, one of the dams below uh, Hoover Dam, correct? If, if, yeah. If, and then all of a sudden, years ago. They were able to build a, a third one, right? Or was it a fourth one or something, which gave them quite a bit more water. I mean, if you, if you, if you drive through, uh, Phoenix, you'll see, uh, a lot of, uh, like washes that are dry. Those are rain, uh, get river type of things. Then you'll see one that's yeah, it's all over the, it's all over the southern part of Utah too. But then yeah. you'll see a couple that are folded atop. Well, those are actually yeah. water supply lines from essentially the Colorado yeah. River. Well, then they ended up getting a, a third one. Then you'll hear, you know, Denver squealing about something. And really what you're hearing, I mean, if you're from the Midwest or the East, you hear all these people sniping, where you're really talking about who gets to build the the new suburb, Denver or Phoenix, because it's yeah. the same water. And then Denver yeah. is on the east side of the Rockies, and they there's very few spots where they get to poke through essentially to the other side and steal the other side of the Rockies' water, which is where all the water is on the west side, right? That's yeah. where the snowpack is. So when you hear when you hear those kind of fighting, you would never think that Phoenix and Denver would be fighting for water against each other, but they are. Yeah, and it's well right now California, California. It's going to get worse in California because they're talking about taking down hydroelectric dams. So they're they're going to reduce their power output when they want people to buy electric vehicles, and then on top of that, they're they're already going through without you know people are calling droughts. So. When you take down these electric power, these hydroelectric dams, California is going to spill more water from other states. 
Well, they're gonna try, but uh, or they have, yeah. they have to find a way to desalinate it or something. Yeah, I think those. Uh, uh, I think those efforts have been uh, shut down in California. Voted down. Well, because it takes power. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that power needs to charge vehicles, right? We, <laughs> we can't have gasoline or natural gas cars. We have to have um, cars powered by solar power turbines or wind or wind turbines or solar panels, right? Well, yeah, the, you know, the policy part, the policy part, I can sort of, uh, I, I can roll with. I mean, there, there's people who want to have, you know, zero carbon. Those people want to do this. People, I don't, uh, I guess I'm, I'm more than willing to be a mediator in that fight if anybody wants me to be. Yeah. Uh, but the thing that I, I really can't handle, and I, I mean, boy, I'm going crazy here in the politics, but the, uh, my uh, Betty Weber was a big uh, Bernie Sanders fan, and, and a lot of people are, you know, especially a lot of young people. And I just, I'm like, I, I, I can't go with your hero who doesn't know, doesn't own a calculator. I mean, nothing the man says adds up. I mean, his heart's in the right place, but clearly it's not connected to a calculator. Yeah, it's it, not calculated. You know, yeah, I, mean, it's just, I agree with that. I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't. If, if California has all these people living with each other and they got pollution problems, they got. It doesn't surprise me that they want to clean their air up. I mean, we did that in Chicago two decades a row, in a row ago. I mean, if you came in, you could see a layer of pollution in the city. I mean, I worked in schools where there were coal-fired furnaces, for God's sake, without a filter. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, the idea that you want to clean your place up for you and your kids, I don't have any sort of an issue with that. My, my question comes down is, is it's always somebody else should somehow pay for it. And, and, and now, but now do you, do you decide you're going to go all electric cars? And oh, by the way, these power plants are bad things. I want somebody to sit there and go, wait a minute. You, you, you sort of can't do both in the same year. I mean, well, Tom, for me, it's it's not about it's. I I, I, I understand that argument, but if you really want a clean environment and you're really interested in helping people out, it makes sense to use nuclear power. Nuclear power does not okay. emit any carbon at all. But they want to take uh, nuclear power plants offline, right. and that makes no sense to me. And that, that, that's where they, the environment. I'm a, I'm a conservationist. I'm not an environmentalist. I'm a conservationist. And if you want, if you want a pollution-free world, you you go to nuclear power, and that, that's not the solution. So to me, it's about creating scarcity and making po- people poor. I think I think the the powers that be, whoever they happen to be, that rhymes by the way. Yeah, they love the COVID lockdowns. Because yeah. they saw CO two emissions and pollution shrink dramatically over China and in the United States. So to me, it's about creating scarcity. It's not about cleaning the environment. It's about creating scarcity. And and America's too wealthy, and we got to share our wealth and and transfer it to other parts of the world. When all the other when all the other parts of the world have to do is uh, you know adopt market systems where people are free to choose to follow their passions, and that's how you create why wealth. Do you, why do you? Uh Let's dig into. Let's assume everybody's the same color with their net. Why do you? Why do you think every time we try and we try? I mean, I was just reading uh, something uh, yesterday in one of those, uh, you know, Quora Digest things about the. Uh, I didn't realize that there was a in the 1600s there was a war between Parliament-backed soldiers and the King-backed soldiers in Britain. That's a spicy and then they ended up, Parliament ended up winning, and that's how you ended up with, like, a Bill of Rights. 
because yeah. they they demanded those kind of rights from the king, and he couldn't just disband power parliament every time he wanted to, and blah blah blah. And there, there's such an amazing tradition to whatever kind of democracy we have and rights we have, even though it's very imperfect and people are trying to always poke holes in it. Simple fact is, it's it's really somewhat of an outlier on the globe. Yeah, it is. It, it's an amazing outlier. It's a to the point where if we don't respect it enough and let it slip, we, I mean, we don't realize, I mean, obviously the Memorial Day was yesterday, we don't realize that what we have, even even as, with as many warts on it as there is, is something nobody, very few other people have. It's a, it's a Western Europe, British, maybe French Revolution, U.S. phenomenon. You know, we'll include Canada, I guess. But very, very few other places. And... And it and it's it's always in danger of being overrun by somebody who just says, "I'm just you're just going to do it my way." And well, I think it's in danger of being overrun by people who can't succeed in a market system. I think they're attracted to the state, to running the state, because they get to make the rules. They get to at the same time be the umpire of the football game, and they get to be the coach or the owner of the team in that particular league, and I think they like that. Well, I think that, that's what draws people into, quote-unquote, public service, which I, I don't like calling it public service. I call it a self-service. It's not public service. It's self-service. And it draws that kind of person into into the, uh, the the state, the bureaucracy, right? Well, there there are, there is... Did you ever read... Uh, you probably did a long, long time ago. There's been two iterations, and what's-his-name has made a career out of it. You read The Born Identity... Yeah, well, my, my wife and I read that. I think the, if I remember right, the uh, the woman is not a hippie. She's actually an economist, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not only that, in the TV series, she was uh, the girl from Charlie's Angels, which I <laughs> I tell you what, I think she's, what's her name, Jacqueline Smith. God, is she gorgeous. Just saying. <laughs> so I don't think that. She's like 80. She still looks great. who that is, right? Uh, no, but, she, but, she, but she's like eighty, and she's anyway. But she was in the original t- made-for-TV one that followed the book, pretty much page for page. Where they're obviously the other one with uh, what's his name, uh, real big star. They were good, but they didn't follow the book at all. Uh, the, yeah. Anyway, but the the, the French guy uh, that ended up, uh, you know, they, he got involved with this French guy, and they ended up doing some good. And the French guy says that people in this day and age don't understand what public service is. It's it's getting a job and actually caring, you know. It's all it's like you know it's like Glenn Campbell. You know, I'm a lineman for the county, but I give a crap about the fact that these this stuff works, and that's my job to make sure that the water keeps flowing. There, there's nothing there's nothing wrong with having dedication to having those kinds of jobs. I mean, uh, being an engineer for the water department. Well, God, people need water. I mean, somehow or another, yeah, we've we've lost somehow in this this corruption mess we see in Congress and everything. But not everybody's like that. I mean, there's an awful lot of people. Well, I know, yeah, yeah. yeah, no, not everybody's like that. Malcolm Paul's a really good guy. He uh, he was an engineer for a small town in western Nebraska. I'm not saying everybody, but I think who's drawn to the market system and who's drawn to public service. On average, I think there are two different kinds of people. Well, I mean, I, there were there were people that I mean, when I I was in the school system years and years ago, and I was it was when I was a school system. I was a sub janitor. Okay, I was like a principal or anything. But you go to places, 
And there were all kinds of dedicated people showed up to work in the cafeteria and they made sure everything was the best this, the best that. Cared about feeding the kids. There were people who cared about you. You, you go into those engineering, the pumping rooms, you could eat off the floor. You know? I mean, those guys took serious pride. This, the, the idea that everybody who works for the government is just some half-assed slacker is that is absolutely not true. Well, I mean, I'm talking about yeah. the people who run the bureaucracies. Well, the, they're, they're, right? I'm talking about the people who are drawn to uh, a job that pays them $180,000, right? And then they come out of the system very wealthy. Yeah, oh yeah, like, that, uh, that whole mess. The, the, yeah, what, what, the, wrestling, the wrestling coach in high school, Hassert, yeah. he goes to Congress with nothing and he ends up leaving Congress with $8 million in the bank or something. I mean, how is that possible? Well, that, that, that's right. I, I agree with all that, but but I also know there were guys. This is a ways ago. I mean, Adley Stevenson didn't get rich. Paul Simon never got rich. They came back and taught in local colleges when they when they, when they retired. I mean, they, they didn't. This is a somewhat. I'm, not, I'm sure. What was the guys? Uh, Huey Long and those people made money. There was always. I don't. I don't know that the average person wanders out there and does that from these smaller towns and places. I mean, I, there are people. Well, who, I think in a smart. When you're from a small town and you live in a small town, you're held accountable by your neighbors, yeah. by your interactions with them, right? But if you're a, a school teacher who lives on Staten Island, who teaches at PS217 in Brooklyn, right, you're not interacting with those parents at all right. in the community. Right. Right. So that's, that's the reason why I think it works in the rural communities, right? You, you go to church with the school teachers. When you see them at the grocery stores in a town of 150 people like Bruno, Idaho, yeah. that, that those interactions hold them accountable. But when you're driving in from an hour away on Staten Island, you're not being held accountable no. for the things that you do in the public school system. Well, plus there's there's massive amounts of money involved, and now, yeah. now the Denny Hastert phenomenon is one of the first of all talk about being uninitiated to having heard more about it. When he, did he did he follow Rasty or was there was Newt in the middle there? I'm not so sure he became. He even speak when one of those guys was out. Was he either followed Rastikowski or we followed Newt or somebody he was in somewhere in that group? And the guy, I think, was, I think he was uh, something with Newt, right? Wasn't he? Because he was Republican. He must have he must have been the guy yeah. after Newt. And all of a sudden, I get this guy gets in there, and I, I wasn't there as conspiratorial in those days. And I go, who is this guy? <laughs> He's from, he, he's from Illinois. I never heard of the guy, and all of a sudden he's the speaker. I mean, I, I mean I, it's not like I know yeah. every every rep here from Illinois. I don't. I mean, I know maybe one of them. But the uh, I mean, as I'm sitting, how, how, how do I? How does this guy reach that level? And I don't even heard of the dude. <laughs> so he's in there, and I think there's a there's an incentive for these people to keep it on the down low, right? Well, but maybe you know, every once in a while they'll, they'll throw it out to the woods and let them that person be investigated just to make it look like. You know, it's not a big problem, right? But he, but he invented they are, they're looking at it, right? He had some... But, you know, you, you look at the average wealth of these people in Congress and the Senate, it's, it, they do very well, let's just say that. Oh, yeah, well, now they do. Let's put it this way. Yeah. I, I'll bet you that out of the 400, was it 435 in Congress, in uh, representatives, I'll bet you 300 of them barely come out of there with more than they went with. The people that yeah. come in... Went for two, two or three terms and say the hell with this and leave. I don't think they make any dough. That's why I mean they they they, they don't have any influence. They don't make any dough and they leave. Anyway, but but Danny Hastert comes in and all of a sudden he's got this property where this new expressway is going in and he I don't know which one it is but it's it's one of two or three. He he 
in, initiates an exit, like it, where his property is. Yeah, and like you know, well, it sounds like okay. Harry Reid, Senator Reid out there in Nevada. He was doing the same kinds of things as a, as a senator, right? Yeah. But the you know roads to be developed near his house, and uh, I mean he, he knew where everything's going to be built, right? Oh, it's sure. Like here in Utah, you know, all these properties pop up. Um, these nice new condominium buildings, these uh, apartment complexes, you know, pop up along the track station, which is our like our L here. It's a really nice L, by the way. Um, tracks are really nice, comfortable, air conditioned. Really, but I mean. How do these people know, right? How do they get these properties, right? Well, the, like, there's some dealing going on in the background. The, it, you know, people, regular people. I mean, you got classes to teach. You got four kids to take care of, a wife who wants some attention once in a while, like all the time, and uh, and stuff you need to do as a dad. And a, and a you don't have yeah. the ten years. I, I have a few friends here, and I haven't seen them in ages. I haven't seen anybody after COVID. It seems, but uh, there was a there's there's allegedly a New rail line going on here in Chicago, or in the south suburbs. And this gentleman didn't know squat about rails, and he happened to know that I did, so he calls me up. Hey, Tom, how about if I buy a drink tonight? Let's talk about it. I don't even, I don't know anything about this. So I'm looking at the map, and I'm going, you're going where from here? And, and uh, so I started to talk about how much, you know, a car costs and blah, 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 and, uh, and, and what you should be looking for in the, in the, in the, in the cars. They were that was that had to be seven eight years ago, you know, and uh, and back then, if this route is ever built, every single station, every single something, every single one of those contracts, every single piece of property where there's going to be a station, uh, I, I said to them, hey, look, instead of being a decade away, these these communities are falling apart. Now the loop's falling apart. Okay. But then the day I said, why don't you run, it's now, it was like April, I said, why don't you set a date for June 1st? The tracks are there. Run the damn thing. Two trains yeah. in the morning, two trains at night. These trains can all let people out on the ground. Just just have, a, you don't need a station. Just have a spot. And uh, put a conductor on the car for, damn, for, for, for God's sake. And if, and if all of a sudden people pour, pour on the thing, and the guy, they had, he had, he looked at me like I had, like I had 15 heads. What are you talking about? <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm only here if I can get the contract for one of the stations. Don't, don't, don't tell me you want to start it without a station. I'm, I wouldn't be on this board or this, this planning yeah. committee if I wasn't going to be building one or two of the stations. What's the matter with you? <laughs> I, I don't, I guess there's a lot of matter with me. I never thought that way. That's probably why I'm not a zillionaire, but the, it's all, it's all about who gets what. Hal, do they yeah. do these people actually care about bringing somebody from Chicago Heights down to work in the city? No. They want to sell the condos. Yeah, well, they bought this land. They bought the land when the uh, rail was in the planning stage. Yeah, knowing that the, the the rail would go in, and then their properties would appreciate. Well, this is different. I mean, Chicago's got all this rail there already, so it was, yeah. it was just a question of using it for a different purpose. There was one spot. Uh, this big rail yard down in, uh, what the hell was it, Dalton or someplace, uh, where you wanted to put a couple extra tracks so you didn't want the, you know, the commuter rail going through the, the freight tracks in the middle while you're putting train tracks, to, trains together, but you're basically putting a, an extra rail or two in a spot where there was plenty of room. So, and they, and they were being real anal about it and they were going, you know, way west to come back east just because the track was already there and they wanted to use that station. So, 
I mean, it could have been started because it was such a jury rig, jury rig system to start with. It could have been started, you know, and went in three months. I mean, they just take one train and hell, have one in the morning and one at night just to see if it works. And people hop on. If they don't hop yeah. on, what's the point? But I mean, it's it's all about that. You know, it's that. It's but anyway, Danny Danny Haster to get back to that. He all of a sudden he gets this spot, and we have, we got a guy who comes on once in a while, uh, well, Wayne Manson, and well, and Danny evidently had some issues when he was a, a wrestling coach. He liked he liked boys, young boys. <laughs> you know that's a problem. Uh, so they were at practice like they did back in uh, you know two thousand years ago. <laughs> yeah. So 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 all of a sudden you know he's he, he gets this spot. And now he's, he's making all this money. Well, how, how did he get the spot? Well, somebody somebody had something on him and knew that he could be controlled, whoever the somebody is. Yeah. So so Wayne goes, oh, yeah, we, we knew that uh, he had issues like that. And then I go, Wayne, how did you know? No, nobody else knew. He goes, oh, we keep track of people's where they go. And every year he and some guy from California, who he didn't name, would, would always take – I guess if you become a, a rep or a senator, you get to go on like two junkets a year. You know, you get to go visit Israel, you get to go visit, you know, uh, Ukraine if you want to go there. Or you can go to Thailand. The, the, you, the, they want you to expand your horizon. All right. Well, he, he always went to the one, he and this other guy always went to the one to Thailand. So Wayne said, well, the only reason why you go to Thailand is because you like young girls or young boys, basically. I mean, that, that many times. Well, I was in the Navy, but we went to Thailand. Yeah, well, that's, and, uh, but that's not why you went. It's, but you it's didn't go over there. Yeah, it's just there. Yeah, and so anyway, he says that we, we all knew there was something up with this guy. Now the question is, when he comes back and he's out and he's retired, years later they come after him and they ended up putting him in jail because he was pulling money out of the bank to to pay a guy who was blackmailing him for what he did in high school. So they end yeah. up catching him and throwing him in jail. And I'm like, for all those years, why? What? What secret did he have that they wanted to make sure to? Something, something is really strange with that, with that whole thing from start to finish, finish Al. And I, I, I'm not the man to put my finger on it, but you, 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 just, you, you follow the, you just, you just follow the, the, the yellow brick road, and it leads from bad place to bad place, doesn't it? You yeah, to- I think I think that's how you get all these deals done too. I mean, if you if you play ball, stuff, you know, they're gonna they're gonna release some stuff, but for the most part, they're gonna keep a lot of the stuff in the bank, and in case you deviate too much. It comes out, right? right hey, we gotta, I'm a cynic. We got a, a dash. Cynic. We got a dash for break here. We come back. Let's talk about this. Uh, I'm going to ask the professor. What about this oil thing with Russia? Why is the ruble not moved? And all kinds of other real esoterical questions. And maybe only you can answer. SP futures down 27. As if he's down 52. Be right back. Stacks and jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas, and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know, all while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for Mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities.
possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and try to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. When it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels, everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right now, right here, right now, right now. Lord Rockbank, Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Eliani on the board. SB Futures down 3175. We're leaking here. NASDAQ Futures down 67. NASDAQ, the first half hour was actually up. No, we're not anymore, but. This thing flips fifteen hundred points like like nothing these days. It's a uh, I don't know if it's a fabric or market uh, problem or what it is, or just everybody's going the same way. A Dow future is down two twelve. Every stack in the Dow in pre market is down except for Chevron Texco, which is up a buck sixty eight. Uh, leaders down Home Depot not on three thirteen. Goldman Sachs down two fifty eight. Uh, McDonald's down a buck seventy seven. Microsoft down two nineteen. Uh, anyway, so they're all down some. Nothing nothing crazy. Over in Asia, we've got Nikkei was down 89.3%, Shanghai up 37, 1.2%, Hang Seng up 291, 1.38. But these guys, I keep talking about these guys, their high within the last 12 months, I think it was 29,500, or they're still at 21,415. So they're still down roughly a, maybe a little bit more than a third, maybe as much as 40% from the high of the, of uh, the last year. But they've come back some in the last week. Um, Friday, huge rally, lest we forget. Uh, Dow was up 575, 1.8%, S&P up 100, 2.5%, NASDAQ 390, up 3.3%. So, we're down a little bit today, it's not a huge surprise, I guess. Over in Europe, we've got the DAX down 137 now, that's a full 1%. FTSE up 25, uh, which is, uh, 0.3%. CAC around down 80, 1.2%. Uh, as Europe, the big news was they decided they're going to embargo, or essentially not buy, uh, Russian oil that they think is going to be like 90% effective. But as we heard from Kenny Pokeri, uh the Indian government says basically we'll take off. So whether they put it in the system or whatever, it's going to be hard to keep it sort of out of the system. Uh, bonds up 11 basis points, 2.87. 
Bund up seven basis points, one point one two. Uh, Japan unchanged at point two four. Uh, we've got oil, like I said, big move today, up three sixty two. It's three point one percent, up to one eighteen sixty nine. Burn up a dollar ninety three, one twenty three sixty. Natural gas down twenty three cents, eight forty nine. Arm up up a whole dime, four twelve. That doesn't bode well for gas prices to tank anytime soon. Uh, gold only on three twenty now. Uh, 1848 silver down 48 cents 2161 that's a bigger move that's over two percent copper up two cents to 433 got bitcoin up 996 to 31,671 eliani what do you got for us traffic weather reports it looks nice out but kind of hot yeah it certainly is thanks so much tom good morning everyone currently 7 36 a.m on may 31st let's start with sports looking at baseball uh cubs lost to the brewers last night three to one with a chance for a comeback tonight at 705 Diamondbacks beat the Braves 6-2, and they'll be playing each other again tonight at 8:40. And the White Sox will be playing the Blue Jays tonight at 6:07 p.m. Looking at tra- uh, sorry traffic <laughs> at weather in Chicago this morning. Currently 76 degrees, mostly cloudy. The sun is pushing through though, with a high of 87 and a low of 68. Looking at weather in Phoenix, currently sunny, 71, with a high of 98 and a low of 70. Quite a bit of traffic in Chicago this morning, so let's get into that. We have traffic eastbound on 290 between Route 20 all the way to downtown, approaching the 290 I-94 construction intersect. Traffic westbound on 290 between Holman and 17th. Traffic northbound on 294 between the 88 West Ramp and Irving Park Road. We have traffic eastbound on two, oh, sorry, on I-90 between Lee Street and Lawrence. Traffic westbound on I-90 between Lawrence and Cumberland. Traffic eastbound on 94 between Tui and Canalport. Traffic westbound 94 between Route 6 all the way to Cicero with an accident at Doty Avenue, uh, just off of 111th. Uh, we have traffic northbound on 57 between Route 83 and the 94 East Ramp. Traffic northbound on 55 between Route 45 and the Lakeshore Drive South Ramp. We have traffic northbound on Lakeshore between East Oakwood and East Grand. And finally, traffic uh, southbound on Lakeshore between Chicago and East 100... Sorry. Traffic southbound on Lakeshore between Chicago and East 18th Street. Couldn't read my own handwriting. Back to you, Chief. Sounds like me. I can never read my own handwriting. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, there's all kinds of stuff here that, that's uh, going on. What I was talking to uh, Brendan earlier. There's an article here on uh, European inflation. And they must have given inflation numbers. There must be 30 of them in there. Not one now. The, the month over month is totally scrubbed. Everything is an annualized number. Who did that? Is that, is that the, the College of, of Known Economists decide we all got to think another way? Or who, who's, who's I mean, it's just get, trying to hide the truth. Sorry. Who, who gets to do that? I mean, who, who gets to say we don't, we don't give the monthly numbers out anymore? Well, if, if they're giving statistics, you know, I think Democrats are trying to hide the truth. But I mean, they put. Yeah, the, you had the truth. You had the truth with uh, averages, right? Well, they they. they I think you had the truth. But, I mean, they put the number out, but they've told us to only look at the year over year. But anyway, since we have a uh, a serious professor on with us, what is what is going on with these embargoes? And Carl brought it up Friday, and I, and I, and I sort of knew it, but didn't realize the significance of it. How is it that after all these things that we're doing to Russia? We're cutting this out, cutting that out. They can't pay bills. They can't do whatever. I also want to ask you about that. And now we're putting this uh, oil embargo on, which I guess is partial because Hungary doesn't want to go along with it. Uh, and maybe Turkey. I don't know. Somebody's somebody's not buying into it. But it's like 85% effective, allegedly. How, how does the ruble manage to bounce back and be, like, higher than when we started all this stuff? Well, I think what's going on is if you look at the price, or if you look at crude oil in general, the elasticity is greater than one. So a small change in price 
uh, or, uh, sorry, uh, a, uh, it, oh, I don't want to get too technical here, but if you look at the elasticity of crude oil, right, the, the production of crude oil can go down a lot, and it's not going to affect, it might actually increase Russia's revenues, because the elasticity and absolute value is greater than one. So I think what's going on here is you have Russia selling crude oil to China, India, Brazil, right? It's a world market. So you might, the embargo might be reducing crude oil production in Russia by, say, I don't know, 10%, 15%. But revenues are going up by more than that because of where the elasticity is at. And it's not about gallons, it's about revenue, right? right? And so if you're blocking people from using, if you tell Russia they can't use the ruble international trade, the countries that are buying the crude oil from Russia need to use rubles. So the demand for rubles is high. They need, they need to buy rubles in order to import that crude oil or natural gas from Russia. And I think that's what's going on here. Okay. We have a world market. You might have 80% compliance or whatever whatever it is in the European Union. But that doesn't tell... I mean, that has no bearing on India or Brazil or China at all, right? And that, the crew is going to get out, right? It's a world market. So instead of China buying it from, say, the United States or some other country, they're just buying it from Russia. So European nations are having to buy it from people they can legally buy it from, right? So they're just, the, the, the purchasing is just being shifted around. It's like taking sand from the northern part of the beach and put it on the southern part of the beach. The beach still has the same amount of sand, right? And the, the embargo is probably benefiting Russia because, again, the elasticity is greater than one. So reduction in quantity actually boosts the revenues. So it's having a complete opposite effect of what these central planners want. Well, the uh, as been said on this show a million times, only because it was told to me in economics classes where I had to sit there and listen to people like you for, for how many years, uh, oil is, is very short-term supply of the oil is very short-term inelastic, but long-term very elastic. Uh, it's, it's We're pushing five months here of this, three to five, since the Ukraine thing has started out. When are we going to, I, I noticed the, the rig counts here are going up steadily about six a week. And I have to believe, despite what they claim they're saying, the Saudis and all this stuff, because they, they always have this policy uh, kind of fog they always have around them where they, they, they try and talk to them on, on Olympus. But simple fact is, at this price of oil, an awful lot of people got to be got to be finding a way to sell every gallon they can I mean, it, it's right. I mean, uh, I mean, if, if if Venezuela can find a way to sell barrel oil right now, they're selling it. Why wouldn't they? They're oh yeah, broke. I'm sure they are. Yeah. I mean, I mean the idea they're, that they're, 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 they have new buyers now, right? Yeah. Saudi Arabia has new buyers now, right? And the people that were buying from those countries are now buying from Russia. So it's just instead of going to Walmart, you're going to Dollar General, right? So it is a, the, the, the sanctions are toothless because we have a world market of crude oil. Well, 
Well, we could. And you can buy it from the 7-Eleven. You can buy it from the Antietam. Well, we right? could. We could. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how much you uh, you know about the marijuana industry, Hill. <laughs> it's not like I don't know that much about it. I've never been a marijuana I've smoker. Smoked, I've smoked three times, and all three times I inhaled. But for some reason, marijuana doesn't really affect me at all. Like my my friends, I yeah. I, 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 I inhaled. I inhaled, and it was like twenty years ago and thirty years ago. But I've I've smoked marijuana three times, and I inhaled all three times. Okay, President Clinton. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, my, my anyway. Now that you brought, my buddies were really into it at uh, in college. I mean, everybody. That's God bless. Our room was. I never got into it because it didn't really have an effect on me. I, well, I never got I'm into like it. Unlike alcohol, where if I had two beers, I might end up on a steamer to Canada or some fishing boat through the Bering Strait. Well, first of all, if if you don't realize that you don't need to get on a steamer to get to Canada, two beers do affect you. <laughs> just anyway, um, I found one vice alcohol that I could control. I wasn't going to go try all the rest of them. The file, the one I couldn't. But anyway, it was a, a probably one decent decision I made. But my, my point is, is that I know people here in the marijuana business. Now I'm sure every state is like this. But for those of you that don't know, if you go into your your local hooch joint, be it, be it medical or whatever, and you buy a, a lid or whatever they call them these days, and the, and the, and the police come into your house, they can take a, a blade of that, take a DNA sample and trace it to the store you bought it from and the grower that the, that store bought it from, to the plant the grower grew it from. So uh, if they wanted to, not saying they do or should, they could basically track all this stuff back. Now from what I understand, Hal, if we're, we're, gonna, we're going to uh, embargo Russian oil, and they're going to sell it to India or someplace, and all of a sudden somebody here or someplace is going to go buy this oil from India, and it's going to end up in a refinery in New Jersey or, or someplace. Not accusing the people of New Jersey or people, or it's going to end up in a refinery in uh, you know Rotterdam or some damn place. I think, and I'm reasonably fair assumption on this, that somebody could do the exact same thing. Somebody could go and stick a needle into the, well, you have to have a big needle, into the into that crude ship, pull it out and say, Hey, Eliani, nice you're in the oil business. Don't you know this is Russian oil? And you got it at a discount, by the way. Put your hands behind your back. We could do that, but we won't. Yeah, we're not going to do that. I mean, no. it's going on in Europe right now. Yeah. We could There's do an that. article in the Federal yeah. Reserve Bank of Dallas website that is talking about just that, where this crude oil ends up in in uh, tanks in European nations yeah and they're just bypassing the fina- the, the sanctions that we saw on it yeah so the politicians get a chance but the, yeah. and, and there's I mean I remember the stuff with uh, uh, when Saddam was still alive and we, we had the oil embargo on uh, Iraq and then they said well for for humanitarian purposes they get to sell pick a number 10 million barrels a year but they had to sell them at a discount. All right. So with the then price of crude, I think, was what, 30 maybe? And, now, and, then, and so the discount they had to sell it at was 12. Well, of course, you and I know. That's a nice market for American yeah. American purchasers. Well, <laughs> but, but you and I know that, I that somewhere between the thing leaving the port in Iraq and it getting to your tank, that price was going to make it to 30. Right? 
Yeah. Enough, enough thumbs. This is the, I mean, the economists might not be able to predict what happens tomorrow, but they, you and I can both predict that enough thumbs would be into that. By the time you and I bought the gas or the, or the barrel of oil here in Chicago, it was going to be 30. In the, yeah, they're going to buy it at the discounted price and then sell it for 30, right? right. Well, the weird yeah. part was that in order to get the best cooperation, <clears throat> to get it to go to the, the, a place and have it to flip, uh, I think it was, uh, what's the big French oil firm was involved? It wasn't a U.S. firm. Of course, it doesn't matter. Well, what's the big French oil firm? I can forget the name. Uh, I'll think of it. Uh, they're huge. They're almost as big as World Dutch Shell. But anyway, they, they had Saddam's kids involved in the original flip to where they, like the, the Iraq sold it to his kids for 12 and they turned around and flipped it to the first place at like 18. <laughs> so the, so yeah. the first, the first six was right in the family. <laughs> Yeah, you couldn't write fiction like this, Al. It's it, it celebrated. Yeah, government, government, government forced arbitrage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but you know, by the time there, there wouldn't be a tank, you know, you pulled into the Amico station or BP or the Amico Showman H, you pulled in the BP where it says American oil four bucks a gallon, but Iraqi oil three three twenty. You weren't you weren't going <laughs> to get you, you were you were not about to get a, a piece of that largesse, would you? No, no. <laughs> It, it, it's anyway. It's kind of. But what at the end of the day are we? I guess my question is why? Why aren't the rig counts here going up faster? Is there is is there enough nervousness in the in the industry, especially in the U.S. That I mean, how many times? Well, you're not as old as me. How many times in our lifetime has there been a boom and bust oil cycle? It's got to be in my lifetime. It's got to be six or seven. Oh yeah, I think so. I mean, about what eight. Eight years of length from from one to the other, right? Well, well when was the? Uh, I mean, we're close to it because we cleared through IB, and those are the guys that sold us the oil under zero. What, was that five years ago? Four years ago? When oil got down to twenty? Well, I know there was. I know there was during the Bush administration because Bush came out on the State of Union address talking about how he's going to double the size of the strategic petroleum reserve when crude prices were at all time highs. The only government would do that. We're going to buy a bunch of crude oil at all time highs. Yeah. Right. We're not going to wait until the price is at the lowest. We're going to wait until the price is at its highest. And we're going to fill up this reserve, right? And that's that's just a kickback to the people in the oil industry that own him, right? Well, they own him. I mean, he he came from yeah. that industry, but but the uh, that industry has always been very powerful. But when it got down to twenty eight bucks a barrel, it was just three four years ago. And every day, I could the Sully, the guy on CNBC, the big guy. Well, it was negative. Wasn't it negative on well, the futures market back uh, during the pandemic? Yeah, and you know, you know how that happened. Yeah, it, it was it was the was an expiration day, and IB has has something called if you if you clear through IB, they have the most amazingly mechanized uh, margin sort of thing, where they will if if you if you got you know two thousand dollars in your account and you got a ten lot of uh, of Amazon calls that you manage to get cheap enough, and all of a sudden they're exercisable. You don't have the money to take the Amazon stock. That thing will yeah. like send you an email at twenty to three or whatever it does. I'm not that familiar with it. And if you don't do it yourself, they'll 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 take it, take you out. So people had the oil, but evidently there was not a monitor on the thing that says don't sell something under zero. So they were essentially selling the, the clo- they were closing people out of futures contracts when there was a you couldn't get a you couldn't deliver the physical. I don't want to go into that too much, but. The Cushing was full, correct? So you couldn't deliver yeah. anything. So the futures contracts kept going down and down because you couldn't deliver. All right, so 
the uh, so if you were if if you were long a, a futures contract, you you couldn't show up with the oil and say here I fulfilled it. So you had to actually sell the contract. And uh, and there were people who got caught. And I think the the automatic selling system sold them under zero. Because why would you do that? You just hang on to it. It's a, it you just you just didn't you didn't deliver. It just went out worthless, right? You would yeah. you would never no person would be forced to sell it for less than zero if you own a futures. Well, it's kind of like what happened during two thousand eight when uh, discount bonds were selling for more than uh, their face value. Remember that? Right, right. But this is totally yeah. this is a totally different phenomenon here. Yeah. And, and I know yeah. you know you we know more about this theoretically probably than I do, but being here in Chicago on the board of trade. It's all about the the thing that causes a futures contract to meet up with the cat with the, the the term spot price near the end is because whatever it is, it's deliverable. Yeah. Okay, so if I own a a, a a a corn future for 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 six bucks, and and I and all of a sudden I, I can't sell it for some reason. There's no market. All right, well. I can always I can always bring my 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 five thousand bushels of corn and say here you are. If there if there's no deliverability, but but obviously some contracts are much more deliverable than others. And if you're a corn farmer in Illinois, it's not easy to do. But if you had to, you could get some corn to Marseille and deliver one of the delivery points or Toledo wherever wherever the, the points are now. Uh, oil, um, it's not it's a lot harder, but theoretically. You could somehow get it to Cushing, Oklahoma. That's the delivery point, right? Yeah. Uh, so it, the, the 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 discipline in the system is the deliverability. And if all of a sudden one of those places gets closed, that, that's what that's what happens when you corner the market. Uh, the outfit from uh, God, it has to be fifteen years ago. They bought up all the storage facilities in Marseille or wherever the hell it is. You couldn't deliver corn or soybeans, whichever one it was. So they they cornered the market. So what the Board of Trade does, they have a bunch of people, that's all they work on, is people trying to corner any piece of this. And they ended up uh, raising the margin on this, whatever side they had, if you were if you were long it or short it, or whichever side, people with the long the longs couldn't deliver, so the people with the shorts were, were, were causing a, a shortage, even though there was no shortage. So they, they, they kept raising the, the uh, requirement, uh, and they do this once in a while, keep raising the margin requirement to the point where you can't hold the future, you have to the idea is nobody ever delivers anything, right? So they keep an eye on a month ago. There's a gazillion corn futures contracts. Three weeks there should be like way less than a gazillion. Two weeks there should be getting to be almost not very many. In the last week they should be going towards zero. The goal is if the system works properly, nobody ever delivers anything because it's very very sloppy. So what happened with the Cushing situation is people couldn't get it there. But if you and I held a long futures contract. We could just eat it. Why would we sell it below zero unless it was an automatic machine? There's nothing that says we have to sell it below zero. We just eat it. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know if you needed all that, but it's a it was kind of a weird story how that happened. But the idea well, is kind, right. kind of what going on what was going on with the Goldman Sachs in the, in the mortgage-backed security shorts, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, Goldman Sachs needed to run out the clock on the contracts, the short contracts on Blurry, right? Because they found themselves to be on that wrong side, wrong side of the trade, and the thing about Goldman Sachs is they got they got a partner in the Fed, and oh, the yeah. Fed could uh, help them extend that time out to run those shorts out, right? Well, 
you know, there was such a demand for that stuff. I mean, yeah. give me a granted, Goldman has, in my mind, always been sort of the fiend. But uh, there's such a demand for that stuff. I mean, everybody will say that the reason why the mortgage crisis is the way it was is because, you know, some Hispanic guy or somebody got a mortgage he didn't deserve. Well, there was some of that going on. Or some, you know, lady flight attendant was was flipping houses. Well, yes, there was some of that, but there was $35 of leverage on every dollar of mortgage. Yeah. Because so many people were borrowing money in Japan at 2% and buying these mortgages at 65 Matter of fact, remember the... Uh, Goldman Sachs got in trouble with the German bank sued him and all that stuff about the, these these mortgages were worth nothing and then the the one guy uh the you know the Wall Street movie where the guy came in and he was he was shorting the thing somehow or whatever. Well, it turns out that there were so many mortgage so many so much demand for these mortgage portfolios that Goldman Sachs and people were were, were making synthetic portfolios. They they were yeah. like they, so the the port the portfolio that blew up there weren't any mortgages in it. It was a synthetic... And where, that, yeah. and where does that demand come from? It comes from all the central banks printing money, right? Well, it came from people being able to borrow money at 2% in Japan and yep. buying, buying mortgage things that were double and triple A rated for 6%. You, even you and I can make money doing that, borrowing it too and, and, oh, yeah. and lending it at 6 With four kids. Yeah, we could have done something. We still make money on that. Yeah, we could still make money on that. <laughs> And and, and, by, and by the way, we, we we had no personal guarantees on or anything. Why would we? And plus, we're talking about stuff that was rated. It wasn't like we had to go to our investors and say this stuff's garbage. It's got a triple A rating on it for God's sake. Yeah. Turns out it was garbage. <laughs> remember, remember, remember the movie with the uh, God talking about showing my age with uh, the Odd Couple. Where, yeah. Where the one guy makes makes a big plate of pasta and then uh, Carl Malden, not Carl Malden, who's the guy? Uh, he wings it on the wall. The guy goes, "It's an incredible Sicilian something." Oh, the guy that played the coach in uh, the Bad News Bears. Yeah, and he, and he wings it on the wall, and he goes, "Now it's garbage." <laughs> 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 so, so that, that's what happened to those synthetic mortgages. Now they were garbage. Uh, but uh, so, I, I mean, how do we? How do we? Uh, are we going to work our way sort of out of this? I mean, we have uh, these inflation numbers continuing to come out. Well, I think. Go ahead. I think the only way it's going to work out is if if we impose some kind of fiscal discipline. I mean, if California had a central bank, what do you think California would be doing right now? Printing money. Their central bank would be printing money and buying treasuries from California, right? Yeah. Right now, the states can't do that, right? Unless they can get their their president to buy their debt for them, right? Which he just did. So, yeah. So the only way this is going to work out is if there's somehow um, a, a cap on... I mean, there is a cap on debt. If they just don't raise the debt limit anymore, if they don't raise that debt ceiling anymore, you have to balance the budget. You have to do more than balance the budget because you have to cover the interest payment. So Republicans and Democrats every year get together, they lift the debt ceiling. If they didn't do that, we'd have to live within our means. And we'd have to have a, more than a balanced budget. We'd have to have uh, government spending way below the tax revenues the government collects, right? So what we need is fiscal discipline. And the fact that we don't have any fiscal discipline means our Fed has to print money in order for it to buy the bonds, either directly or indirectly, indirectly through the banking system. Um, and that's what causes these problems, in my opinion. So what we have to have, if we want this nation to stay one, we have to have fiscal discipline. We have to have a balanced budget amendment where this 
budget has to be balanced every year. I don't think it's going to happen. The only that happened is if we have a convention of states. Well, the the states right now are amazingly happy that they got all this money from the Fed. They're, they're, even, yeah, Illinois, oh, yeah. even Illinois is fat and happy, for God's sake. Yeah. Oh, yeah, California is, New York is, and it's just a redistribution from red states into blue states. Well, not exactly. I mean, because a lot of the... A lot of the uh, the red states have, a, have an amazing amount of largesse from government to start with. Yeah, yeah. But in terms of inflation, I, I think the inflation numbers are higher in the uh, freshwater states than they are in the saltwater states. Um, we have like 10.5% inflation, I think, Illinois and New York and California have more like 8% inflation. Well, I mean, it depends on... Measured what, inflation. If, if, you, if, you, if you start pounding the... Uh, they've totally stayed away from... we got a dash here, but... They've stayed away from any of the, yeah. any of the real estate increases. I mean, if, oh, you, yeah, if you put real estate in there, Florida yeah. is probably as bad as anybody. Yeah. Anyway, Hal, thank you very much, buddy. Have a nice week. SP Futures down 31. <laughs> NASDAQ Futures down 70. Back tomorrow, Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. Dax Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again.